0: Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Hendley. In this podcast, I look beyond the pencils, the brushes, the sketchbooks, and the iPads to discover what it means to be an artist. Join me as I speak to other creators about their journey, as well as reflecting on my own artwork and experiences. Episode 79, Using Art to Build Awareness with Artist and Bird Nerd, Hannah Shand. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Just a few quick updates, and then we'll go right into the interview with Hannah. So in the previous episode, I talked about urban sketching and plein air painting, and I got so much feedback, questions and comments, and I really appreciate that. That was a fun episode, and I'm glad I was able to share kind of my tools and approaches. So one of the things I mentioned in last week's podcast was... I had a bit of a concern whether the Etcher sketchbooks I would that I'm using would fit into the Stablo easel. This is an easel that was created in France. It's made of wood, and it kind of clips to the, the top part of your sketchbook. And I had concerns around the thickness of the Etcher cover, and Stablo sent me some messages saying they thought it would fit. Um, it seems to work, but you have to modify it. It doesn't go in all the way. And I was like, you know, I really want to see this for myself. And then I had a listener reach out, and send me pictures, and they're using it with the actual sketchbook I have. And I thank them for doing that, because now I can see that it actually works. So, I have this Stablo easel now on my list of things I have to buy soon, and I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see if I can connect with that local artist that I mentioned in the last podcast, and see if I can try hers with my sketchbook, and see how that works. But uh, I'm anxious. I think it's great to get this feedback, and I encourage all of you, if you have some feedback, from the show, please let me know and I will try and incorporate it. If uh, I've missed something or if you have a better idea around something, I always uh, welcome the opportunity to kind of provide some additional feedback for previous episodes. So thank you for that. One of the things that's happened since the last episode is I had a water leak in my basement. It seems one of the outdoor faucets failed on me and leaked water all over part of my basement it wasn't inches of water, but it was enough to disappoint me. <laughs> uh, no huge damage, except to my art and my supplies. And so, what had happened was, I had a bunch of watercolor paper that I had stored in those large, like two foot by three foot portfolios that I had leaned up against a wall. And so, the the these large pieces of paper were in there, and uh, I thought they were safe, but unfortunately when the water reached the bottom it got wicked up and uh everything kind of mixed all together and it was just a mess i had to throw out sheets upon sheets of watercolor paper and in there were also some works in progress i had been doing one of my daughter and one of my uh, brother's dog and so i had to uh throw those away because they were ruined but um uh, you know it's this kind of stuff happens i'm thankful it was uh minor the damage and you know it affected my supplies i can always buy new supplies so i'm not uh, that bothered at the time i was pretty frustrated by it because <laughs> i had no idea that there was a water leak and i walked into my basement and my feet were wet and i was like what's going on so um, either way i thank you for um, for reaching out and uh, your condolences around my loss of paper and a couple of you um, bought me some uh, uh, brushes through uh, "Buy Me a pi- Buy Me a Brush," and I appreciate that. That was uh, that was great. And I actually did order some from Rosemary and Co. So I got those this week as well. Uh, some botanical brushes, and I will talk about those in a future episode. So thank you. So I've been working on some artwork. I haven't produced a lot since the last podcast. I looked at my Instagram feed, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't really share a whole lot. But I did do a, a passion flower and a dragonfly for my perpetual journal. I did uh, post the dragonfly, I didn't post the passion flower. I'm also working on a deer, uh, going back to pencil again. So I'm using my Moleskine sketchbook, and once again with the Graph Gear 1000 and the 2B pencil lead. And I think I'm going to, I, I wanted to do this as a reel. But I didn't think about it when I first started, but I think I'm going to kind of put something together as a bit of a reel around this. And so I've talked about this uh, numerous times, but for me, pencil is something I always go back to uh, on a regular basis. It's just, it's, it's quarter who I am. And so you're always going to find me going back to graphite pieces every so often. I just love working with pencil. Not to say I'm going to be, you know, not exploring these other things, but um, I, I really just love drawing with pencil. I have a dog portrait I'm working on. It is a commission piece, and once again, that's in pencil. I, uh, I'm not going to show anything yet, because I, I don't want to <laughs> trigger the recipient in discovering what's going on, and I'm also looking forward to, uh, I've got two or three other things lined up in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, a baby bird of some sort (laughs) I won't talk about, and a couple of other things as well. So just uh, stay tuned to my Instagram feed. I'll be sharing more on that. And once again, if you ever have any questions about what I'm doing, materials I'm using, how I'm doing it, I'm always open. You can comment within the post or send me a message. And I don't mind sharing any of the details about uh, how I do work and uh, the materials I use and things like that. So I encourage you reaching out and and we can have a conversation about uh, creating art. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is I tried a Claire Fontaine hot press book. I went into my local art store and they had them. And I was thinking, I have not drawn on one of these. So historically, I've always used Etcher sketchbooks because they have hot press paper. And it's really hard to find a sketchbook with hot press paper. But I saw this and I thought, I'm going to give it a shot. So I did and i tried a couple of pieces uh, i tried a um branch from a maple tree just working around some detail and then i did a lady slipper and it's 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 okay i'm i say it's okay because it has it's very smooth and so far less texture even for hot press than the etcher and so when i was doing the lady slipper i was it was just wasn't kind of pulling in the paint as i expected and I just need to get used to it, I think. So I'm going to try a couple of other pieces. I'm going to do some graphite and some colored pencil in this book. Uh, I bought the larger size. It's not really like an A5, uh, but it's not an A6. And it's a little bit of of a different format. But um, I I like it. You know, they're white. They look like the Etcher sketchbooks. And the paper is quite nice. But I was just struggling a little bit with the watercolor on it and the gouache. But uh, I'm gonna try a few more pieces, and I'll post those to Instagram as well. But I'm always out, you know, on the lookout for trying new products, new paper, new pencils, new ink, new paint. Um, so if you're a manufacturer of any of those, and you want me to try it out and talk about it on the podcast, uh, please reach out. I love playing with new materials and seeing what I can do with them. So um, yeah, the Claire Fontaine has some potential, and. The cover of it is not as thick as the etcher, so it should fit just fine into the Stablo palette, um, if you choose, or the Stablo easel, I should say, if you choose to use that. So that's it for updates. Uh, Let's jump into this interview. I was initially pulled into the Instagram feed of my guest this week by her incredible drawings, but when I discovered her work also supported conservation efforts in New Zealand, I knew we had the chat. Her ability to beautifully render birds with ink, whether they be small, large, or even extinct, is quite impressive. Her Instagram is filled with her art, but also her art business, as she openly shares the -the behind-the-scenes work that is involved in being a successful artist. Join me as we explore what it means to be a working artist, the importance of nature conservancy, and the tools of choice for this artist and bird nerd. To talk about her creative journey, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration podcast, Hannah Shand. Hannah, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm good, thank you.
0: Thank you for uh, for joining me. Your name has come up a few times through conversations I've had both in the podcast and in messaging them through Instagram. I was so excited to be able to reach out to you and finally find a time where I could have you on because I just I love your art. I love your story anything tied to nature i'm i'm uh, i'm all over so i'm really anxious to learn a lot more about you and i'm sure the listener is is psyched to to hear what we're going to talk about as well so thank you for coming on
1: thank you for having me very very excited
0: i always start with the origin story it helps for people to develop connection i think that's what's really important is when you hear people's story you're looking for those connections like oh i did that too or i i also had that experience and that allows us to kind of build And so I'm wondering for you, was creativity something that was always with you? We do it as kids when we're quite young. Uh, It's, you know, in some cases, it's, I'm going to keep you busy by giving you these crayons and a piece of paper. (laughs) But was creativity something that stuck with you uh, through childhood into into high school and so forth? Or was it, um, or did it blossom later? How did that happen for you?
1: Um, so I feel like it's always been with me. Um, I, yeah, as you said, did a lot of drawing and different bits and pieces when I was younger. Um, but I love that so much. I did a lot of drawing. I did like other types of creative things like cooking and baking, decorating cakes. I did a lot of knitting. I was the cool kid on the school bus knitting a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, Another cool thing I did, I um, sewed teddy bear clothes for my teddy bear collection. Um, yeah, I I just, lo- <laughs> I just think, yeah, may as well put it out there. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just loved making things, as I said, even if it's embarrassing to think about now, but I just love detailed things. I think I always have. Yeah, so... Always done lots of creative things, especially drawing. I think in particular because I feel like you can kind of do it from from anywhere.
0: And and so you grew up uh, where you were exposed to nature. Am I right? Like that was something that was that was close yeah. to you. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I, I love that part of your story.
1: When I grew up, I moved around quite a bit. We lived in New Zealand, in Virginia, America, in Melbourne, Australia. And my parents loved to take us to the local wildlife parks, the zoos, the bushwalks, all those types of things, like in all the new places that um, we would visit. And yeah, I think at the top, like I know I I really enjoyed it, but I don't think I fully appreciated it when I was younger, maybe the longer bushwalks or things. (laughs) Yeah, I. I definitely was exposed to a lot of nature and um, my mum in particular. Huge, huge animal lover. You know, we've always had lots of pets, um, cats and horses. And my mum is a bird rescuer. Um, So she's um, sort of, yeah, hand-reared chicks and birds that have had accidents and and all sorts of things like that. So we'd often have um, a baby bird at home that she would be that she would be feeding. And yeah, that was really cool to see. I think watching someone else um, take care of nature, it inspires you to want to do the same.
0: Yeah, true enough. I, I'm part of a support network here for bird rescue. So I've done oh, cool. probably, probably half a dozen, I think, mostly kind of eagles and, and hawks and things like that. But we had some um, American bitterns in our backyard and they kind of look like a short heron there was like three chicks that were just abandoned walking around the yard. So I remember rescuing those as well, but oh, we've got cool. a really great, like we've great a, a great location here in Ottawa that if you find something, you can bring it there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's cool that you were exposed to that. And it's hard work. It is hard work.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of hard work and, you know, feeding little chicks every couple of hours, lots of cleaning and, you know, all that type of stuff. So yeah, but it's very, it's really rewarding seeing, you know, a bird be released.
0: Yeah, and I think wherever people live, it's it's always good to know about these places and support them if you can. I know conservation is important to you, and and I think that uh, uh, if you can, you know, donating money to these places, we gave them a freezer that we had so oh, they can cool. store some of their. Uh, and they have like six, right? So, yeah. <laughs> cause they're storing all the food and whatever the case. But um, yeah, they do fantastic work. With regard to the art, was this something that you carried in through high school and the creativity? Was that something you did through high school? And and then, uh, like, how did that art journey for you kind of grow um, from that point on?
1: Yeah, so I pretty much did art through primary school and high school. So I would just take all the art type of art classes that I could take. And then I actually pursued a fashion design degree. And yeah, so I high school I was doing painting, photography, art history, sewing and IT and it's, it's really interesting. I didn't actually consider a career as an artist at all. I don't think it ever crossed my mind. I, I don't know why but like there wasn't you know heaps of social media selling online things like that when I was at college. I don't know I just didn't even think about it like I knew I loved drawing but at the time I felt like doing fashion design I could kind of see a bit of a career path right there's like New Zealand has a really big film industry and I could kind of like see myself working in film or you know we've got ballet and all sorts of different things like that so I could kind of see myself working in costume um design or or something like that so I pursued a degree in fashion design and even though you know I was doing a lot of sewing and technical things there was always a creative side of it as well so I did a lot of drawing and designing clothes and all sorts of different things like that so I kind of kept that creative side at university but in terms of the style I do now that is pretty much completely self-taught. It just sort of started off as a hobby. Um, when I graduated university, I um, yeah did a couple of different jobs in doing sort of fashion design. Well, not designing clothes, but working for fashion designers. And I did a lot of commuting on the train. So the style I actually do now was because I used to carry my sketchbook on the train and I would draw... For an hour each way to work and back. So I'd draw an hour on the train, draw on my lunch break, and then draw on the way back because I kind of thought that I, I don't know, I think actually being really creative in the fashion industry when you leave, it's not actually something that you get to do often straight away. You're kind of, yeah, you're kind of part of a process sort of building something that someone else's done the creative work already. So yeah, it was kind of my way to do my do my little creative thing (laughs) on the train.
0: Yeah, something that you can own that's yours rather than you know, doing the prep work or putting together the final assembly as a mock up and and things like that. And and what were your subjects that you were doing as when you were sketching on the on the train and at lunch?
1: It was pretty much always animals. Yeah. So I did do native birds, which I do now, but I was doing just all sorts of different animals, pretty much. And I think I did some flowers. I started off just drawing with pencil, and I felt like I couldn't really get the contrast that I wanted between the really dark shadows and the bright light. So that's when I decided to give Pen a try to get that really, really nice dark black. Yeah, it just kind of happened really <laughs> just decided to give it a go it might almost be 10 years ago that I just gave pen a try okay I saw a couple of other people using pens for not the style that I do but kind of like outline uh, I can't remember the artist's name but I think they go into sketchy stories and they just do really detailed cartoons kind of but okay. just outlines of them but yeah
0: At what point did you decide that this hobby that you had at lunch and on the commute was more powerful and more meaningful than being a fashion designer or working in the fashion field?
1: I was pretty much doing it still as a hobby. And I really have to say the turning point was actually meeting my partner, my partner, Nick, I'm sure he'll come up a bit more, but on our first date, when we met, he had his own business at the time, and we just sort of seemed to really click over talking about business, which is really interesting. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was working in bridal at the time, um, and I showed him all of that, or sort of told him what I was doing. And then yeah, the subject just came up about art, and I showed him my my drawing, and he's like, "Oh, these are really good. You know, do you sell them?" And I was like, no, he's like, why not? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too embarrassed. I'm too shy. I, like, I don't know. I just don't really put it out there. You know, I had done maybe some like commissions for friends or family, but very close friends or family. Like, I hadn't really put it out there. It's like, maybe you should say they're for sale. Maybe you should <laughs> start sort of uploading a bit more online and just say, oh, if someone wants to buy it, they can. So I feel like it really started from then was having someone else believe in me and say, just say that someone can buy it. Just, just put it in a caption, I've drawn this. If anyone's interested, let me know. I feel like it really started then. And then I kind of started to sell stuff because I told people they could buy it. <laughs> and he was sort of saying, oh, I, you know, I can see people selling prints. Why don't you make a print? Your artworks take so long. Why don't you take a couple of prints and see if you want if people want to buy those? So yeah. It was just sort of someone just putting the little seeds of you can do it. Like, how about you just give this a try? And yeah, I feel like it started from then.
0: And so what did it feel like when that day came where you were like, I'm not doing bridal anymore? I'm doing my <gasps> oh,
1: Yeah. It was a very big step. I feel like I try and play things very safe in life. So it was pretty scary, but I had kind of prepared for it in the way of I didn't take any holidays for a really long time. So I sort of saved up holiday pay. So when you leave, you get, you know, your holidays paid out. Right. So that was kind of a way of saving a bit of money. I was also living back with my parents as well, which meant um, I still paid them, but they were very generous. And, and, you (laughs) know, I wasn't, wasn't paying sort of standard rent. So I was just, yeah, very fortunate to be living with them, having sort of low overheads, saving money. And when I left, I think I, you know, worked out, okay, I can work for four months and not sell anything and not run out of money because I wasn't paying a lot to live. Um, And yeah, I just felt like it sort of gave me the courage to say, okay, let's just give it a try. If it doesn't work out, I can always get another job and my parents hopefully won't kick me out. (laughs) (laughs) I know know they won't, but yeah.
0: And how long did it take for you to feel like I've made it in this new job you know you had that four month kind of runway an interesting term versus, <laughs> since you were talking in fashion but you had that runway of four months how long after that did you feel that like how long did it take for you to kind of get that head of steam to say you know what this is this is what I do now
1: how long because
0: um... I think for someone an artist listening who's who's maybe right at this point that you were talking about um... is is giving people a sense of the scope? Because I think some people think it's going to take 15 years and other people think it'll take two months. And so I think just giving that sense of perspective to the listener would be helpful.
1: Yeah. I think before I decided to leave my job, I was selling sort of consistently and it was not a lot, but I could see that people liked my art. And I think if someone's on that step, I think it is good to have a job that has sort of a reliable income and sort of slowly work your way into doing your own thing. It is, you know, really hard work having a full-time job and then trying to sell art on the side. I do think it can be very scary to share your work online. So I think the sooner you start, the better you're going to be later on because when I met my partner, I had some work online, but I never shared my face, ever. Like the thought of uploading a photo of myself on my Instagram page, no, I did not want to do that. I did not want to talk to the camera. I didn't want to do any of those things. So I just think you're just not going to get good at it by doing it once, you really need the consistency. So I, I really just think starting as soon as possible, Um, is the best thing you can do and I think with the work that I do art is actually only a small part of it really I think learning business skills is a huge yeah thing that it's great to put a lot of time into learning those different things or making friends who have their own businesses or finding a mentor yeah I, I silly me I thought that um when I was going to become an artist, i draw all day, but that is not the case. Drawing is, yeah, quite a small part of what I do. It's a lot of admin, a lot of just communicating with people that I work with, galleries, conservation groups, doing photography, building a website. I've got like a big database that I kind of manage all my sales. Like, there's just so much that's not art. So, yeah, if you can find someone or... The other really great thing is there's a lot of art business podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. Lots of wonderful, of course, including this one, art podcasts where you're going to learn some really great tips um, that you can implement.
0: Yeah, it is a it's a hard slog, even with myself. And this isn't, you know, the art that I do is something I do as a hobby. So I'm kind of in some ways you a few years ago, and mm. I'm nearing Nearing is probably the wrong word. I'm coming up to retirement in the future (laughs) with my current job, and I'm thinking, uh, this is me building up my ability to re-career, re-career. I gotta get that right (laughs) um, after I retire. So I think it's helpful to hear about that. I think, and you bring up a good point that it's not just sitting down and drawing all day, and all of a sudden the art leaves the place and the money arrives and you move on to the next thing and it doesn't work like that at all. And so I I appreciate you kind of talking about those bits because I think people need to hear it. Mm. And the other question I had for you is, would it be safe to say that you are an introvert?
1: Uh, I would say yes, I am. But I think I've just built up the confidence to not be extroverted, but to be more confident. I'd say I've always... Even now, I'm an introvert, but my confidence, it's taken a while to be able to talk a bit more openly, be able to share easily, but it's its taken time and practice. Um, the first time I approached some galleries was absolutely terrifying. So scary. Like, my hands were shaking <laughs> before I'd go in. <laughs> But I think there's a lot of things, you know, along with practice that you can do to be more prepared with certain things. Um, when I I kind of learned the best way well, for me to like approach a gallery was like send a nice email first, book an appointment you know send a few examples and things like that so when you're actually approaching a gallery they know you're coming and it's actually just a really casual nice easy chat instead of trying to memorize what you want to say to them. Um, the other thing that I did as well is I kind of did like a one-page information sheet which I had really really great feedback on and and quite a few of the gallery owners said no one had ever done that before but I had sort of some information about myself, what I do, the, you know, the size prints that I offer, what I charge them at, just, just some really nice information written really well. I had some photos of my artwork just to leave with them. And yeah, so I think just sort of preparing makes you feel more confident.
0: That, those are really good tips. <laughs> That's really helpful. I <laughs> yeah. think, and you know, just to hear your commentary about being an introvert, I've had probably at least a dozen guests on here that that were just so scared to come on the podcast, but I left it mm. to them and they did. And I think they feel better for having done it. But I can appreciate myself just being anxious, being introverted. And part of the reason I started the podcast was to kind of struggle with it openly <laughs> and get past yeah. it. So I think... There is value in kind of going through this. And you know, for if there's an artist listening who is shy or who is um introverted or struggling, there's there is opportunity and it, it's a way to move through it slowly. And and a lot of it is about confidence in your work, in yourself, um, in what you say. And I think the idea you did you did an info sheet is fantastic. I mean, that's that's a great idea for anything and in, in the sense that. You know if you hand somebody a news release, what looks like a news release about you, you've done most of the work for them, yeah. and so it's that's the that's a really great beginning to a relationship. So I really appreciate you sharing that tip.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the thought of trying to say that in person was not gonna happen. I think when you give yourself I think if you're a real deep thinker (laughs) you know having the time to put something really well written together that you know that you can just have a really nice conversation you don't have to get all these points across exactly you can just yeah focus on looking at your wonderful art that you've taken to show them and sort of let your art and being prepared sort of speak for itself being organized yeah I think, I don't know, maybe sometimes artists get a rap. So actually I am sort of unorganized with some things, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think being prepared is underrated, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I want to go into how you create what you do. So you do these wonderful ink pieces, um, birds, and the detail is incredible. I wonder if you can talk us through kind of your current state with that? Like what um, what pens are you using? Is there preferred paper? What's your process and what do you use at this point in creating your beautiful artwork?
1: Yeah, so that's developed over time as well. But the, the first step is deciding what bird I'm going to draw and then where it's found in the country. So I try to work from as many of my own photos as possible. That doesn't always happen um, because... Birds can be very difficult to find, and even if you do find them, you might not get a good photo, <laughs> even if you try really hard. But um, the first step is trying to get some good photographs. Um, so that could yeah, involve multiple trips to different places and sort of thinking about what, like, the best way to showcase that bird um, to, you know, give it the limelight. hmm Another part is like observing the bird and how they move because I feel like that's quite important to be as accurate as possible. So for example if there's a bird and they're always on their own, there's solitude, they don't hang out in pairs, like I would not want to draw them in pairs. So just sort of being as accurate as I can. So once I've got the photographs I them all on my computer and I do like a photoshop composition and that can often take time as well because it's very unlikely that I will get the perfect image to draw from. So if I want to do a couple of birds together they probably haven't been photographed together. If I want to draw them on a certain branch I've probably photographed that all separately. So I just take lots of different photos and then Photoshop different composition ideas together. And if I'm, if this is a commission, I will sort of send updates to the client. And I think a couple of other little tips that I'll give for people who work in black and white is I turn the photos into black and white which makes it a lot easier to draw and I sometimes kind of play with the contrast a little bit because I feel like what makes artworks really stand out and what I've learned kind of noticed over time is when you draw your shadows you draw them especially if they're black you draw them really black so having really nice contrast between the light hitting the bird and white feathers compared to the dark so sometimes at that photoshopping stage I might sort of tweak just to kind of make those blacks and whites um, really pop. So once I've got a nice composition together which I feel is kind of the creative side to me trying to figure out what I think um, will showcase them the best I put them onto paper with pencil and My artworks are quite often, they're 56 by 76 centimeters. So I'm not sure what that translates to with like inches um, or things like that. We call it, it's actually smaller than an A1 size, but they're fairly large. Um,
0: And the paper that you're using?
1: Oh, the paper. Yeah, so I, oh, so the pens that I use, are Staedtler pigment liners and I pretty much only use the 0.05 size and then I use Staedtler Mars Lumograph 2B pencils for the outline and then I use Fabriano Artistico Hot Press Extra White 300gsm. Yeah I'm kind of a creature of habit I pretty much use, that's all I use. Um, But I did recently get a new pen, grab it. So it's a Staedtler Marsmatic 0.13 ISO pen. And it has the finest tip I've ever seen. So very, very, very tiny. Um, So I have been sort of trialing that. It's got quite a like sharp point. So you do have to be really careful. what I did find earlier on is that you have to find a, um, a paper that can handle layers and layers of pen, because they can kind of go fluffy, which does not look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this new pen, the Staedtler of Marsmatic, even though you can do it really fine, you can't really do the, the dark layers because it will sort of scrape the paper away.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can appreciate that would be challenging.
1: Um, yeah, and so with, with the artworks, once I actually start drawing, it's actually not, you know, I don't have to be in a creative mood to work on it because I feel like it's just sort of like a process of getting it done really um, because the creative side of it's already done. So they take about... It sort of depends what size they are, but the big ones can often take a couple of months to do. So it's just about chipping away. I always start at the eye and the face to make sure that's really has that kind of life in it. And then, yeah, I can kind of just sort of zone out and enjoy working on it for a really long time.
0: That's fun. I do the same thing. I always start with the eye and the face because Mm -hmm. I feel like the animal speaks to you. Yeah. I remember doing a squirrel, not a squirrel, a uh, a woodpecker, a pileated woodpecker, and um it winked at me at one point, and I figured that was the point it was done, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I think um getting that nice sort of little twinkle in the eye um is really nice, a really dark pupil and a nice wee highlight,
0: yeah, I've seen some of the uh of some of your work kind of working around that. it's always. That's the part I enjoy watching the most. I think the feathers are interesting, but seeing how people render the eye and mm-hmm. being able to, you know, especially if there's a brow above the eye, getting the shadow of the brow, the pupil, the, the outside area around the pupil and the highlight, all to work at, together, but at different values. And uh, to see that come together is just brilliant. And you do mm-hmm. that so well. That's, a, that's a real, I think if people just worked on eyes, it would really help right
1: exactly yes that's a good thought yeah
0: because it's it says a lot you know and you're from New Zealand we didn't really say that at the beginning but maybe Mm -hmm. people could have guessed it
1: maybe people can hear my accent I don't even know if I have an accent but
0: (laughs) you do but um uh I think it's worth mentioning that and I and I always mention this in the podcast, but all the tools you talked about, I will link to. So if if you're listening to this now and you're running or biking or on a train, um, the links are in the, in the show notes so you'll be able to check out the tools that Hannah uses. It, it's interesting, when I look at the birds that you have there versus the birds we have, there's some commonalities, but you do see the difference in the eyes. Like Some are much friendlier eyes than others, and getting those right is so important. And when you have that kind of brow and you have a shadow down onto the eye, it becomes so much more challenging because then you can run into the challenge of the shadow becoming the pupil yes. and losing that shape, right?
1: Yeah, I, that is actually really interesting because sometimes when I take photographs, you know, I've lost detail in certain parts of the photo. And sometimes when I do draw an eye, I might not have the best photo to work from, so I'll be looking at multiple eyes. I might have four eyes up on my screen and I'll take the best parts of each. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's not always just copying my composition exactly, because the composition is more about getting the posture and the poses really, really good. Because yeah, on my website, I kind of show the photos that I work from and some of them aren't that great. So, you know, some of them I <laughs> have had to Photoshop, like, four different birds into one bird to sort of get the detail that I need to work from them. And then, yeah, even then I'll be bringing up other photos that I've taken on that trip to, yeah, try and get as much detail in it as possible.
0: Do you find, you know, beyond the fact that you want to get the eye right, are there parts of a bird that you find more challenging than others? Whether it's it's an actual, like the wing or the tail, or is it the shadow of the wing over the tail? Like, what is it that's really tricky for you that you still find challenging?
1: Um, I find feet a little <laughs> bit funky. <laughs> um, if you watch my time lapses, you can probably see me avoiding them as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. The thing is, I know I can draw them, but they're just, yeah, they're a wee bit tricky. And depending on, like, if I've taken a good photo and I'm just working from one and it's already clinging onto a branch, that's not too bad. But when I'm taking feet from another bird, which might have been taken at a slightly different angle or there was different lighting on them, yeah, tricky. If in doubt, cover it with a flower. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. That's I had a... so bad to say, but, you know, like if you can't, if the feet look really bad in the image that you've taken and you can't get some, you know, photos that work, um, you know, just make it work for you.
0: <laughs> I had I had one artist on, uh, Ian DeHogue, who does wonderful watercolor pieces and he rarely does feet. He openly yeah. says it. I just rarely do feet. And he may have something, but <laughs> that, that may be important. Um, yeah. And he, maybe he knows what we don't know, but I agree. And I think I also find feet challenging. When you talk about that, I I know that so many times I've done feet holding onto a branch or a twig. And if you don't get the shadows right, it looks like the bird is floating. It's like you shove yes. the stick underneath. It doesn't look like it's... Yeah actually touching the branch. Um and that's where depth and that subtlety and tone Mm. is is really challenging. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had a lot of good laughs about feet. Um but like I think, you know, it can be quite good um if you're worried about it to try it on a scrap piece of paper. Um and then hold it over the actual picture and do a little practice first. But I yeah, I can definitely I know what you mean with the floating thing you you definitely need to sort of work on the shadows um on the branch making sure that's kind of dark enough
0: yeah i'm just scrolling through your feed and i see you know this i don't know what what the, the title of this one is but um th- there's a video and uh you could see the bird's feet are inside the flower it's like yes
1: oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you caught me well yeah. <laughs> yeah um I, uh, I make sure I do try and do some, but if yeah. I can not, that's also quite nice too.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful flower. But um yeah, it's it, it is really hard because it it's yeah, I, I mean, you know, maybe there's value in doing eyes and doing feet if, if that's mm. what you're doing as birds, right? It's uh it it is tough and there's a big difference between, you know, a small sparrow type bird versus a parrot or a, a raven or some kind of raptor as well, right? And I find even with the raptors with the big nails, it's hard to kind of some sometimes define those such that yes. they stand out. Doing the act
1: sort of, yeah, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Because for a while, I think it's hard to describe without showing it. But for example, like white whiskers of a cat, I was like, how... How do you really show that I started off by just drawing the shadow under the whisker and not having anything but you do really have to do very very light outlines to actually be able to sort of see what it really is because in the photo there's, there's not an outline but if it's blending from the bird into the page or you do have to kind of define them yeah very carefully. <laughs>
0: mm. You know, I think I'm going to have to draw a bird when we're done because I feel like I need to just (laughs) get in there and challenge myself. And you talked about process, and I think that's really important because um, I know there's – I've kind of accepted the process at this point. There was a time Mm. when I would draw whatever, and I'd get to a point and it's like, I'm never going to get this part right. Mm. And now I know that what I'm looking at in the drawing I'm doing is really ugly right now. But if I just keep at it, it will slowly become what I want it to be. And maybe if you can speak to that, like, do you have ugly stages in your drawings? And is this adherence to process help you get through that? Or do you not have ugly points in your drawings?
1: I I definitely have points where I doubt myself, for sure. I really think, I feel like there's kind of no shortcut to that in a way. I I really just think getting better, getting confidence is all about practice really. I think that's what it comes down to and I think because I've drawn a lot of birds now, I just feel confident once I've, you know, figured out that composition, turned it into black and white. I I feel fairly confident in what I'm doing, you know, but there are points for sure, where I've had to ditch an artwork, where I've spent days on something, and I'm like, it's just not right. There's, there's just not that life in the piece, and I might um, ditch it. But in terms of an ugly stage,
0: I mean, it's great if you don't see it because then no. you don't have to then you don't have to uh, listen to it. But yeah.
1: So I feel like the most important part in a drawing sometimes comes at the end, it might be sort of midway. But I say this quite a lot on Instagram as well, because I feel like it's so valuable, especially when you draw in black and white, is really making sure that there's a big difference between your really dark black and your bright white. And sometimes I don't capture that while I'm drawing, because I'll be a little bit scared, I might play it easy a bit, because I can't undo what I've done but often I'll finish the drawing, maybe leave it a couple of days or a week and then I'll come back to it and then I'll have the, you know, the composition up on my computer and look at the artwork and I might look at it close up, further away. I'll just make sure that there's enough to really make it pop because when I kind of look at my earlier works, I think that's kind of the thing that I sometimes notice that I'm like, oh, you know, I can see that that's developed and it's being I guess brave enough to really draw those blacks very dark yeah I think I think that's kind of what has evolved in making my artwork become better and better also like working on the detail but um
0: yeah I mean that's a good point I I see that with a lot of artists um they'll send me a piece they've worked on and especially if it's pencil and everybody is shy about that you know Mm. there may be a hundred steps from white to black and they're only using about 25 steps in the middle. Yeah, And th- to get that yeah. 3D, you really need to just embrace the black, uh, or near, yes. near black. Right.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, cause otherwise, um, artworks can look a wee bit flat or a little bit washed out. And yeah, I think as you said, again, going back to like drawing the eye, I think probably practicing bird's eyes with that really beautiful highlight and detail with the darker tones, I feel like would be a great thing to practice. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. That in the feet.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because the feet, I, I just, I'm thinking of a bunch of drawings I've done recently. And I think in some ways you can get away with it with smaller birds because you can embed the nails into, like you don't see it, but when the nail becomes prominent and you've got to like show those kind of the striations or the lines that run the length of the nail and you need to highlight those because it's a larger bird or it's a larger drawing, that becomes really challenging because mm. then you've got to do that and then you've got to show the shadow between the one toe and the next toe and the, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, too, another important part of the feet, I think is I sort of take note what way to put the pin strokes and drawing around the feet is, you know, doing those pin strokes instead of like along the toe, drawing the little pin strokes around really tiny little pin strokes is going to make it look more 3D as well.
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, even though, you know, the toes and the artwork are going to be really tiny and not a focal point, I think if you do it Wrong, then it becomes a focal point that you don't want.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and for the listener, I'm sorry we're geeking out on this, but I think this is the stuff some people want to hear, right? Yeah. Is, is, you know, it, it may not, it's. Do you look at your pieces when they're done, and do you do you focus in on, oh, that piece was really hard, or, I am really proud, of the right foot on this bird. Do, is how do you look at your pieces when you're done?
1: Yeah, I, I. it can be a little bit hard, really, because I've looked at it for so long. I think it's really important at the end part to often get someone else's advice who you trust and who will give you honest feedback. You know, and, and the people who I get feedback from aren't, like, professional artists. Like, I get advice from my mum, and, you know, she did art when she was younger, but she hasn't done it um, for quite a long time, and my partner, he doesn't draw. But I think, yeah, if you can get someone to give really good feedback, really valuable. I don't know if I really answered your question just then, but um, I think I, I look at it with a critical eye for a while to make sure I do the best that I can do and they're often commissions and I put a lot of pressure on myself to making it the best that I could possibly do um and then I just feel just happy I'm just happy (laughs) that it's that it's done and you know something I've often worked on for two months without really doing anything else um Mm -hmm. I've done it it feels great yeah
0: that's fantastic. It's there's a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's also an artist, and he was just highlighting to me uh, over the last few days that he thinks one of the most underrated things right now in people is is trust. That you know, mm. trust is is really important. And I I would yes. say back to your point, especially being an artist, being able to trust an individual to provide what you need as a matter of feedback and direction, not maybe even like you know re- a f- reflection of the piece you've done, but also in the journey that you're taking and to have those trusted individuals in your, in your life to help guide you is, is really important.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with it. I think it is really hard to get honest advice. I think, and and I'm guilty of it. It's, It's really scary telling someone your honest feedback, you know, but if you can find those people, I think you're just so lucky because I've had feedback, from my mum and partner about an artwork and I haven't been happy, you know, like I've had to start an artwork from scratch for someone before. Like it was really, really hard. But if you have those people who tell you how it is and how you can improve, um, I just think it's the best thing ever. Um, It's just, yeah. Invaluable really. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Is there a specific bird you like to draw? Yes. So
1: I, because you asked me what, with the notes, what my favourite bird was, and I thought that was a really horrible question because I can't pick my favourite bird, (laughs) but I did actually note down my favourite bird to draw, and that would probably be the moorpork, which is a native New Zealand owl, and they have beautiful eyes, beautiful delicate feathers around their face, and... They have really dark brown feathers mixed with bright white feathers, which cross over. So when I was drawing the feathers, it's almost drawing a bit of a checkerboard, really. Drawing those dark and light feathers crossing over was very, very fun. And I might be drawing another one or a couple coming up. So, um, yeah, I love drawing. Um, we'll have
0: to include a, a a link to to that specific one.
1: <laughs> I haven't drawn it yet, no, but no, it's no. in the oh, the one I already have the drawn one you did, Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, as we go through this, I will include links to um to to uh, to some of the pieces you've done as well so cool. people can get a look look at them, but uh that's interesting. I've drawn a few owls and um I I do find owls just mesmerizing. It's mm. and I love their eyes. Like they, there's yeah. so much in an owl's eye versus a sparrow. I mean, there's more place for you to mess up, but the, the eye mm-hmm. on an owl is just incredible. There's a piece here that that it's almost like a quarter, or it, it's it's looking off to the right. Is that the owl That's that you were talking about? That's
1: the piece. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I hadn't really seen many people draw an owl from the side which really showcases those little tiny feathers which from the front you don't really see yeah so I got to meet her and photograph her I I really feel um if you are a wildlife artist and you know there's nothing wrong with working with other people's photographs with permission um which you know I still sometimes do and I did when I started and didn't have a camera but I really feel like spending time with them is like, that's probably the best part of my job, really. Um, so, yeah, I just encourage anyone who draws wildlife to go out and see them for yourself. And I think that really inspires you um, to think of a bird or an animal in a different way or, you know, just capture something maybe a little bit different to what everyone else does.
0: And how big was this piece, the original that you did? Um, there's a there's a shot with there's like four of them on the table, right?
1: Yes, so. yeah, um, so the original is an a two size, so that's like four pieces of printer paper, okay, together i I always get a bit confused about how it um translates into American kind of sizing, but um quite yeah, quite big, like the bird. In real life is probably a quarter the size of what I drew it. So okay. I found that really fun, actually, taking a bird and blowing it up. And that's a really great way, especially if you want to draw things realistically, is to draw them as big as possible and with, you know, as good a reference image as you can can get. Because um, a lot of people don't get to see those details in real life. You're seeing things from far away. So I feel like it's quite cool to see all those details.
0: How important do you think it is to understand how birds work, how they fly, how their f- toes move in drawing them? Like how, how much effort have you spent in kind of researching that? And obviously you're observing it firsthand as well, which mm-hmm. is, is a huge impact on doing this. But um, what's your feeling on that and kind of understanding how something moves or flies?
1: I do feel like it's really important especially for me when as I say like I often don't get the perfect photo so I need to know that when I combine multiple photos together that actually would look like that or 99% like that in real life um yeah, so I, I definitely think it's important just to kind of be as realistic as possible if that's what you're going for. Um, right. Yeah, you, I think people who follow my work and love my work are bird nerds. Like if I, you know, I am as well. We're, we're bird nerds. And if I've drawn something where it's a, bird and it's and you know I've kind of got something that looks a little bit weird or um if it's in a environment so I'll I'll tell you a little story like for example um I have seen some artworks where you know people have drawn kingfishers um and they're they're bird artists that's what they do and In the same artwork, they've drawn a New Zealand native kingfisher and then because they don't know the difference, they've drawn a kingfisher from overseas as well, which would never be found in New Zealand. But they're sort of selling it as a New Zealand native kingfisher artwork. Like, I think it is really important to know your subject matter because for people who, like, love kingfishers and go out and photograph and see them, will look at it and be like, oh you know, it's a beautiful artwork. They've done the artwork really well, but because they you can tell that they don't really understand or, you know, they don't know their birds. Right. They haven't studied, <laughs> you know <laughs> they've yeah, found an image that is from a different species.
0: Well I no, I think that's a good point. I mean, mm-hmm. and it could be like it could be that you have two species from two different continents and the, if the implication in the photo is that they're together, that seems odd. Or it could be that that bird is on a flower that is native to only one place in the world. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, or it 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 just may be on a tree that doesn't exist. Uh, it may be a very distinctive type of tree and that's not available where the, where the bird can be found. So I, I think that if you are trying to be representational in what you're doing... Mm. You, you're right. I, it it's so funny when you said bird nerd. I'm thinking, it we need to weave bird nerd into the to the show title because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love yeah. that term. <laughs> yeah. But um, you, you're right. Like it 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 is very strict, and these people will. Um, and and I would probably put myself into that group as well. They would see the difference and realize, you know, mm. that's that doesn't make sense, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can I think. That. Um. I
1: think too. Like when I decide I want to photograph a certain bird if I don't really know a lot about it I'll do quite a bit of research and figure out where they found um what they like to eat uh yeah whether they're found in groups or not um yeah I think knowing what they like to eat is quite important so when I draw an artwork I usually yeah. like to try and pick a tree or something that they like to feed on instead of something just to make it look pretty. It's kind of more about, Oh, they, you know, that picture looks like it could have been photographed or, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, just on the photography bit, like I saw, there was a wonderful photo. I think it's fairly recent in your feed um, where you're looking kind of head on, on a specific Uh, And I don't even, maybe you can pronounce the word for me, but you're, you're in the woods and the bird is on it like an old stump and you've got, you're probably two feet from its face. And uh, it's just a wonderful photo of you looking uh, at this bird. I think it's just incredible. And how, I mean, you talked about photography here and there, but how important is your photography to your art?
1: I think it's incredibly important very very important because like New Zealanders love their birds and a lot of people paint and draw and use them for inspiration for their art which is awesome because like I can't get enough of it (laughs) but I think to be as unique as possible taking my own photographs is kind of what makes my artwork original and unique and a lot of people you know draw and um, yeah do artwork in a similar style to me as well you know like I'm drawing realistic you know as realistic as I can with with pen and you know sometimes pencil can look quite similar as well so I feel like what makes my art unique is that I've taken as many photos as I can myself but also share as much as I can of that as well Um, so when I go to bird sanctuaries um, I sort of share all the behind the scenes and kind of let people into my life and follow along how I create an artwork. Um, I think that's when I find inspiration from other people, I love sort of going along on the journey and watching how something comes together. So sharing as, as much of that as I can, I think, yeah, I think people enjoy watching. That.
0: Yeah. And I, I, maybe uh, when I asked the question, I did, you know, I shouldn't neglect the fact that photography is, is a type of art as well mm. and um, being able to capture those moments, which, you know, takes some skill and takes some effort and a lot of time. The fact that you're able to marry these two together, um, that's what brought me into art because I had tens of thousands of photos in my photo album. A lot of them were animals. And it was like, I've already got my reference library to start with. And I just wanted to call back to something else that you said, and that is, you know, working with existing uh, photographs by other photographers and asking permission to work with them is always a brilliant way to go because many of them will yeah. just say yes they may ask absolutely. for nothing they may ask yeah. for a print but uh everybody's yeah. looking for that opportunity absolutely to be, and
1: i like i've i think it can be quite a scary thing to do but i don't think i've ever had anyone who said no and like i'm friends with them all now you know like it's a great way to meet people I've met up with them in real life taking photographs together um yeah it's a it's a really awesome thing to do and yeah um there's nothing worse than you know someone drawing a photograph and without permission and then you know you think oh I wanted to draw that myself you know (laughs) (laughs) you know because I took it but um yeah I think yeah asking people um, you're just going to create friends, I feel. You just ask in a nice way, and everyone's really awesome. Everyone's really encouraging of each other's stuff.
0: That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And can I ask you, what what kind of camera are you using?
1: Um, so I have a Panasonic G9 with a Lumix 100 to 400mm lens. So it's I'm not very good with all the difference that I Camera lingo but it's a micro four-thirds so it's quite compact for the amount of zoom that it has right um because I go on quite a lot of longer bushwalks and I just can't carry the type of equipment um (laughs) you know for long periods of time so yeah it's like quite a nice sort of light yeah sort of compact camera compared to others and it's a, a decent price, um, yeah. So if people are wanting to invest, definitely take a look at it. I found it really good.
0: Yeah, I've got a Micro Four Thirds camera, and you know they do everything smaller, um, mm. which is appreciated. I did buy a a Nikon P nine fifty, which is like a crazy, crazy zoom, but it's not. The detail isn't like I would want, so I end up taking a number of different pictures because. Especially if I'm taking pictures of birds, trying to get you know an idea what the inside of the eye looks like becomes a bit challenging. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, having a nice lens on a nice body is is really uh, really yeah. helpful.
1: Yeah, and um, the the camera I started out with was a Lumix GX7, which is a few models down. But um, I sort of I Purchased that one from a friend secondhand and yeah, I felt like it did a great job to begin with. I think uh, knowing the good birdwatching spots is really, really good. Um, in New Zealand, we have a lot of amazing bird watching spots. Um, so we've got predator-free bird sanctuaries where there's like a piece of native bush and they've built like a predator proof fence around it we've got a lot of like rats stoats ferrets things that kill um sadly kill native birds that were introduced um but we've sort of created these bird sanctuaries where they don't have predators in them and a lot of the birds are really friendly so i think if you get you know you could get a second hand camera but if you find those good spots um sometimes the birds walk right up to you so um
0: (laughs) that's awesome it can be quite good can I ask you just about your artwork? What has been the most challenging piece that you've ever done?
1: So the most challenging piece, but also the most rewarding, was uh, artwork I did last year of an extinct bird called the Huia. And the reason it was the most challenging is because they went extinct in the early 1900s and there was never a photograph taken of them. Um, but they're... Even though they're extinct they're quite a popular bird, Um, a lot of people heard of them and the way I drew it was I used photographs of a similar shaped bird from New Zealand called a tui which is very common Um, and I created a composition with tui photos and then I studied taxidermy photographs of huia from museum archives And I collected like over 50 images from museum archives. And as I was drawing the Tui, I was drawing the Huia. So I kind of had to use my imagination um, quite a lot. So I feel like that was really challenging, but I think it's probably one of my favorite pieces. And, you know, I think it really drives the point of my other artworks that I do of near extinct birds, because a lot of people, when I show my Hiwia artwork, they're like, oh, I, I wish it was here. I wish we hadn't lost it. So when I share artworks of other birds that only have 50 birds left, I think it really makes people think about the ones that we do have and care about them and, you know, do what they can to to preserve them still
0: that's important to you isn't it
1: Mm, definitely
0: is that what's pushing you forward a lot of the time is is that
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah and I think when I decided to become an artist I wrote a business plan and (laughs) that was probably um the help of Nick You know, we kind of wrote a business plan, figured out what I was going to do. And on there, I've looked back at it, was um, working with conservation groups. And the longer that I've done it, the more I've been able to do. And that is like a huge part of what I love. And it's super rewarding I've just met like amazing people, had amazing experiences in real life getting to visit these um beautiful birds and I feel like they've just got so much um character, you know, like they do such funny things and like seeing that in real life is just like the best thing ever. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned Nick who's your partner, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How important has it been? For you to have that kind of intimate network, you know, someone that's really close to you um, through this whole journey. I mean, you've spoken to that a little bit, but, you know, for the artist out there who's looking for the trust or um, being able to move this forward, like, how hard would this have been if you had to do it yourself? Mm. How important has this been for you?
1: (sighs) Yeah, it's... It's really interesting. I feel like I can almost say I know I wouldn't be where I am without him. I think, hopefully, I would have eventually become an artist, but it was really him that saw in me the potential because it is quite hard to believe in yourself. He is a huge source of inspiration, like... He is just the biggest ideas man you can imagine. We talk about what I do, you know, when he gets home from work and and quite often really. Um, So very like incredibly lucky to have him as partner. And yeah, he just comes up with the craziest ideas and he's like, put it on your list. Put it on the list. I've got this big um, like word sort of document and like it is 23 pages long. So,
0: (laughs) so you know,
1: like it's, it's enough ideas that I could just, I'd never get through it, but I know that I'm really lucky to have found it. And I really hope that other people can find someone like that as well. Um, Yeah. Very, very fortunate to have that.
0: It, it doesn't even have to be, you know. When I said intimate, in the sense that you know you're sharing a location, but you know, just having someone really close to you in a network is, I mean, that that's huge. And, and especially, yeah. I think, especially being an artist, because we put so much of ourselves down on paper, that um, you know, we want to we want to hold that hold that close. We want to share it with the people that we trust the feedback's important but we also want to hear the the, the good words the positive mm. words and uh it it can feel challenging when you put yourself out there and it's you and it's your artwork and people say you know oh that's not very good and it feels like they're saying you're not very good because it's your artwork right it's not
1: yeah yeah like i i definitely Feel in the beginning that it is very scary to put your artwork out there and I just I don't know I just hope that people don't write mean comments about other people's art because I you know everyone's on their own journey and if you like if you say something nasty and you stop them from doing art like it it just takes everyone time to get better, um, and oh, yeah, I think I think uh, like what is it? Constructive criticism is great if you're like in a trusting relationship, but like just writing mean comments, I just think keep it to yourself, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: and you know sometimes artists are, are posting this not necessarily to receive the feedback, and I think. I, I always try, try and be cautious because I think the fact that someone's has done a piece of artwork that I can see with my eyes means it took them effort to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And we need to be respectful of their time and their effort in doing so. And if they want the feedback, they'll ask for it. Um, yeah. But yes, it's important to, even when I look at my pieces, I think I try and focus on areas maybe that I really thought turned out well and maybe areas that I would do differently next time. Not that I think mm-hmm. look awful. But that maybe I'll do differently next time, and I think we have yeah. to make sure that we tell that same, share that same narrative with others, right?
1: I think so too. And every piece I do, I I always think that you know, there's parts that I could have done better. I don't I don't know if you ever come to a point where you do an artwork and you're like, I love this. Every part is perfect. I really don't think you get there because you just keep trying harder things, pushing yourself further. And I think it's always a journey of just evolving. You don't reach a certain point and you're like, Oh, I'm done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I think you just keep, yeah.
0: I wanted to just touch on the tools. Cause you talked about all the tools that you use and you talk about using Photoshop uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to do all your works. Do you ever do any work with, with an iPad or a Wacom or anything like that? Do you ever do truly kind of digital work?
1: No, okay. I've never done that. No. Um, cool. The other thing that I am looking at, well, I actually have sort of started experimenting with is a bit of charcoal. Um, I saw that. Yeah. So my artworks take a really long time and be quite hard on your body. I don't know if this is the same with everybody, but when you're in a position holding a pen really tight to sort of have that control, holding your wrist really tight, your whole body doing that, day in day out um I don't draw all day by the way I sort of have to limit it to a couple of hours or so at a time or for a day um but I yeah I'm sort of trying out charcoal I love working in black and white I don't really see myself doing color a lot of people ask that but I just it's not me I don't think um I might eventually but yeah, I think sort of trying some more black and white styles that can complement what I already do so that I can do, you know, a piece that takes two months and I might be able to chuck in a charcoal here and there to sort of, you know, do something a bit different, be a bit looser, try and loosen up Um if i
0: can so that leads to my next question because i was going to ask you kind of what you want to explore so you're talking about the charcoal is there anything beyond that it's kind of a little bit further down that you want to reach out and maybe
1: Oh, i do but it's so mean i don't i don't want to share it yet maybe (laughs) i'll tell you at the end okay but i it's A unique style that I don't really see many people do. It's quite hard. And I really want to have done a piece before letting people know I'm going to do it. I don't really want to say I'm going to do it because it's quite difficult. It's going to be a little while off.
0: Um, So this is a reason why you should follow Hannah on Instagram because... there may be something coming <laughs> oh. and that's probably where she's going to share it. So yeah, uh, once again, I'll, we'll talk about that later in the show about your Instagram, but yeah, that would be, uh, uh, it would be fun to see what you do next. You know, n- not just the subjects, but uh, trying new things. I think as artists, we like to, uh, to explore things a little bit and always keep coming back to it. I, I'm the same. I, I love graphite, but I'm playing with acrylics and uh, colored pencil and, Everything else, but I still keep coming back to pencil because it it's my first love. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um the other thing that I'm trying to do more and I have started it, but the consistency is not there. Um so you might have seen on my website I've done I've done a video showing how I drew the Huia artwork. Mm-hmm and I want to get better at the storytelling aspect of what I do because I do get to go on these fun trips and you know for people who live in cities or you know don't really get to do this kind of stuff um I want to show the behind the scenes a lot more and like not just reels like I do reels on Instagram but like proper you know sort of 10 minute videos showing where the birds found, maybe talking a little bit about it, showing me trying to get a photograph and then doing some like time-lapse um, videos and, yeah, just sort of showing the whole package of how I created an artwork. So that's definitely something that I want to improve on. And, yeah, it's just it's just a bit scary for me um, using like editing software. I have to psych myself up to do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I admire that you've done that. My my creative theme for this year is storytelling, yes, and so I'm I trying to it. always think about that. Even just creating a reel is like, am I telling a story? Is there a beginning, a middle, and end? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that I will do better as we get deeper into the year. I feel like I haven't really leveraged it as much as I could have, but I love that you're thinking about that and. I do think that when it comes to artists having that story behind the piece, when somebody has your print or your original up in their wall and they can narrate something about that, um, that's pretty special.
1: Yeah. Rather than that's
0: a bird. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And like, I've heard from a friend who has my Hiwia artwork, um, her partner, you know, whenever they have visitors, they're like, watch this video. Like, you know, it's just five minutes, but it like shows, it sort of tells the story of the Huia and um, how they became extinct and all sorts of different things in the background. But um, I think it's quite a cool thing to sort of share how it came to be. yeah. And just sort of sharing more about the conservation aspect in it, if I can, as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's a wonderful video. It's on your site. We'll link to that uh, in the show notes as well. But it is a wonderful video. Thanks. So I wanted to ask you about social media. Just touch on it briefly. You know, how does that play into what you do? Are you always mindful? Is that an audience in a closet that you're thinking about as you're drawing that you think you need to show them stuff every so often? Like, how does social media play into your day as a matter of feeding that machine, that algorithm?
1: I feel like I do think about it quite a lot, and I spend quite a lot of time doing Instagram stories in particular. I'm trying to get better at doing some reels and and posts in general. But I do think about that a lot because I think because my artworks take so long, if I only shared when it was finished, I don't think many people would be interested or even really buy it because they've been like invested in the journey of seeing it come together. Um, I feel like I do notice that. If I don't sort of share the progress enough, you know, even if I think it's an amazing, you know, like a good piece and I'm really proud of it, like I feel like the better launches are when I've like really shared as much as I can. Um, But yeah, it is quite a hard thing to keep up with. (laughs) Um, I think what I've found is like if you want to do like a reel or a video showing an artwork come together, I kind of got stuck in the habit of actually time-lapsing way too much. And then I just have so many files on my phone that it was a wee bit overwhelming and I might not even put anything together. But I think reels are quite, I actually find them quite fun to make. And you only need a couple of time-lapses of the really good parts and actually um, putting the real-time drawing at your actual speed of something really detailed, like the eye or the little eyebrow hairs or something really detailed, sort of mixing those two together. You don't actually need that much footage to put something together. Um, yeah, so I use my handy tripod and just sort of, yeah, chip away at trying to capture the the interesting parts.
0: Yeah, it's. I would agree. I think that it's so easy to point something and do a time lapse, but that really doesn't share the story it doesn't share the detail Mm -hmm. and I've noticed with some of your videos like you you there is one where you're drawing the bird uh the bird's eye and just seeing that little bit um is, is, is helpful and then being able to you know you do that kind of thing where you the pen touches the paper for the first time and then you mm. focus on the eye and then maybe the foot and then maybe the last shot is that you pull away and you see the finished piece like that's all it has to be and people love yeah. that like it it really tells a better story than a 30 second time lapse that may span six hours or
1: yes something, right? yeah I think um sometimes you can kind of overthink it a wee bit I also something interesting because I've seen some really fancy professional time lapses of you know a piece over months come together without the camera moving I was like that's the ultimate goal is to play the whole thing coming together but you don't really have to do that in fact like filming at slightly different angles and closer further away showing a little bit of yourself in it like I actually think that's more interesting and just sort of being genuine about, I don't know. perfection yeah. is difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking about it when I was drawing doing one of the reels that my lead broke, and it's like, you know what? I should have left that in
1: because mm. <laughs> that's
0: part of it, right, is you mess yeah. up and just getting and, those imperfections. Um...
1: Yeah, another artist that you interviewed, Cole, Mm -hmm. Um, he does amazing work. Uh, A part that I really like in his video is him sharpening his pencil. I think he's done sharpening his pencil and then using sandpaper. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that was Cole, like sharpening his pencil. I was like, oh, I really like that. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I've done the same where I've, you know, dipped my my paintbrush in my palette and mm-hmm. uh, people seem to like that as well. So yeah. 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 I mean, people know that you started somewhere and you ended at another point and what it looks like, but those little mm-hmm. bits along the journey is
1: Oh, something else I've thought of is actually people love to see you talk about your failures. And that's a really difficult thing to share. So some of my most popular posts were, one, when I sat on an artwork a couple of years ago, I put it on my bed, forgot about it, like I photographed it on my bed, stupid, never do that, I sat on it, crushed it, I was absolutely so gutted I had spent two weeks on a commission for somebody, crushed, and I was just going to start it again, and Nick was like, share it online you know like I was like I'd never do that you know I'm so embarrassed and I did tell the client what had happened um but I think people love to see well not your mistakes but just being a real human being you know like I've shared artworks one artwork that I tried to draw three times and then I realized okay the birds are just not looking cute in this photo I just can't do it um But I think, yeah, just showing things going wrong and just being open about it, how you've worked out a solution to what you're doing. Yeah, I think people really relate to that. And the people that I follow, it's those little things that you wouldn't normally share, which is sort of usually my favorite.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's someone listening right now who's on their journey and they are on their journey with us right? Mm. And it's important that they not only see the finished pieces, but they're messing up on things, and we mess up on things. And sometimes we don't share that. And it's important to acknowledge that messing up is part of the journey, whether you sit on something, or you accidentally throw down ink on part of your piece, yeah. or something doesn't come out like you have planned. And yeah. um it, it is important, because people are you know, some people are relying on us to to, to be there, to be the mentor mm. that doesn't speak to them. Um yeah. and uh I, I think it is important to be genuine. It it, it hurts. It does hurt sharing the
1: I know. The and <laughs> I think the other thing that I was quite scared of as well is being genuine and like the fact that my studio isn't perfect. Like we're currently renovating a sleepout, they call them in New Zealand, like a little room out of the house that just okay. has, you know, is a little room. Um, so we're currently renovating that. And I we took a photo outside in front of it, and it's my first ever, like, standalone little studio space. And it's not very pretty from the outside. <laughs> like, <laughs> our house that um, we have is like 70 years old so it's quite ugly from the outside and i was like oh i don't want to share that photo and nick's like no share it because like it doesn't matter that it's ugly and we you know we're renovating it and like when you become an artist you don't have the perfect studio like i'm in at moment what's gonna become the master bedroom we've got we've had holes in the walls from nick rewiring the house we've screwed jib over the holes i've got three different types of wallpaper and yeah i don't know i just i just sort of try and sort of show i don't show everything you know <laughs> but right. um, i just think yeah it, it's nice for people to see a progression of where you've come from and yeah i i just think it's hard when sort of some people show the beautiful studio all oh, the walking, you know everything's perfect but really it's not like that
0: right well i uh as someone who's been following your feed for a while i appreciate you sharing the uh the other bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's great to have a beautiful studio and I appreciate those that do, but uh, we all have kind of struggles and uh, challenges yeah. And, and yeah. I yeah, lost a bunch and... of uh of supplies and and things this week to to uh, oh. to a water leak. And that was horrible. Oh, that's
1: so yeah. And that's I did I
0: should have taken kind of Nick's advice and 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 put it on Instagram, but I didn't. Um mm. But uh yeah I I it was I was gutted. I was able to save a couple of things, but I lost a couple of pieces and uh, that I was working on. Yeah, that's
1: on, so horrible. It is. Yeah.
0: But uh I never store your paper such that it touches the floor, such that if there's ever a a leak, it's not going to wick everything up.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of sort of those plastic storage tubs um and they're quite handy, Yeah, but um horrible. Yeah
0: just a couple more points and then we're going to get to homework. Um, I wanted to ask you, I was looking through your feed and at one point you created a time capsule.
1: Yeah.
0: And I thought that was such a cool idea. Can you just talk about that briefly? Because I was thinking, I think I may want to try that. And I don't even know the scope of what you did, but uh, can you maybe share what you did?
1: Yeah. So going back to the studio in the backyard, which we haven't finished, but the time will come, and I'll have my lovely little quaint studio. But um, while the while we were well, we Nick, I did I haven't really done that much. He's the handyman. Um, but uh, while the insulation was going, and I was like, oh, I just feel like it would be a really cool idea to put a little part of me in my first ever standalone studio. So yeah, I got like a tin biscuit tin and I put a couple of prints in there. I wrote like quite a long letter to whoever found it and information about me. Like I don't know if anyone will ever find it, but if I've died, you know, they can <laughs> read about what I was thinking at the time, you know, because we um we moved in here like a year and a half ago and you know I wrote a bit about what's happening in the world and how I'm feeling and I put um some like coins and uh what are they called the stamps I put a newspaper from the date when I put it in and I put one of my pens and Then I also printed out some photos of my adventures over the past couple of years. And then on the back of each photo, I wrote what the photo was about. Um, And then, yeah, just sort of said, if you find this and I'm alive, come say hi. (laughs) You know, (laughs) get in contact. Um, And then, yeah, so we've sealed it up in the wall. And I hope someone finds it. Um, I think it would be cool. And then I sealed it like in a... um, a plastic sort of packaging slip and I like taped it up really well so that it's waterproof as well.
0: Are you going to be in this place for a while where you are?
1: <sighs> I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's really hard to, hard to know actually. Um, yeah. We moved down a couple of years ago and we're definitely really enjoying it so far, but we have a little bit of a dream idea of what we'd like to do. Um, and it's a pretty big, goal but we are working sort of trying to work out how we do it and sort of trying to make sure we put the feelers out get things in motion but we would love to have our own bird sanctuary um one day and we either live next to the bird sanctuary or we live inside the bird sanctuary um but we would really love to purchase a piece of native bush Um, Maybe connected to a farm and do lots of planting, trapping and yeah, just do as much as we can for conservation and for the birds and like just, yeah, it's kind of like our little dream goal that we'd love to do. So we live in a little rural town at the moment. So this isn't our last place. But um,
0: so there's a chance the time capsule could be found yes sooner yes. than later
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's cool. if someone doesn't think <laughs> our renovation job is good enough <laughs> Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's awesome I really like that yeah. idea um mm-hmm. I read that and I thought oh, that's I gotta ask you about that mm-hmm. um I wanted to ask you as well about teaching because you've taught some kids right about yeah. uh, drawing and that what do you what did you get from that and is that something you're gonna be pursuing in the future
1: so yeah so I've done like a couple of classes for young children and I don't think it's something that I'll probably do much in the future aside from doing those sort of little one-off things but the things that I did teach them was kind of the some of the tips that I've kind of already shared about you know, if you're drawing something realistically, you need good reference photos, you know, showing them how to turn it into black and white, sort of, you know, tweaking those colors a wee bit. Um, but uh, it's a really hard one because I, I really feel like the way that I've developed my style and, and got better is actually just the hours of practice. Right. So, yeah, I, I I don't mind giving tips away, but I think proper classes. I think there's so many people who do things like that so well. And when I do something, I want to put lots of effort into making it really good. And I just don't think like I have the time to do that. Right. Um, another tip for people who have gotten this far listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share a tip that's like, the golden nugget is that what you'd say but something that I find really handy is not throwing a pen away hardly because if you draw a pen the pens that have run out a wee bit are the best pens because they're a lot easier to draw the lighter sections of the bird so like Drawing white birds is really difficult in pen, especially when a pen is brand new because you draw and it just comes out super black. Mm-hmm. So with the pens that I use, just don't throw any away and they sort of wear down and then you can draw those lighter sections um, a lot easier. So that's another little cool tip. Good so I feel, I feel like I've, yeah, th- those are all my tips. I think <laughs> anything else is just putting the hours in. Yeah.
0: Right. That's Cool. Interesting that we get to this point where I'm going to ask you about homework. Uh, I was mm-hmm. like the listener to have something that they could take away with them and explore and do or try. So I'm wondering what you would propose as a matter of homework.
1: So uh, I think so much of my inspiration is from seeing what I'm drawing in real life. So I think it, especially if you you know do birds or animals is to go for a bush walk, go to a wildlife park, go to a zoo and just observe and if you can take photographs, homework that I personally set for myself which you could add on to that is if you've got some equipment that you've purchased do some YouTube tutorials and try and find something that you don't know how to do specific to the camera that you use. Um, So recently I looked up my camera how to capture small birds in flight and I realized (laughs) that there was some specific settings I could put on my camera very specific to doing that. And so if you're going on your bushwalk, try and learn a skill on YouTube and put it into practice. Mm. If you can, yeah, I feel like that
0: would be my. I like I like the both homework. I think you know getting mm-hmm. out there is is helpful, and I do agree that I mean even for the iPhones or the Android phones that we have, just learning how to use them as cameras and maybe leveraging a new app that maybe isn't the native app to do what we do. Uh, there's a lot of value in that, or just t- to build on what you said is for those people who don't maybe know how to use Photoshop. Yeah, uh, would be a really um i mean that's it's one of those things that you'd probably do really really well and don't even think about it so much but other people out there are struggling with reference photos and things like that but yeah,
1: yeah. i think i think there's just always something to learn and mm-hmm. i think some people um find it very natural to like want to learn and I do want to learn but I actually find it very scary the thought of not being good at something and I know that I'm not going to be good at it but just taking that little first step watch the YouTube video okay I can probably do this (laughs) I think that is actually probably one of my biggest struggles is yeah um, taking that little step of starting the video editing downloading the program that you need to use and and just starting so
0: yeah creating those uh, private playlists on youtube is always helpful to kind of keep those yes. as a bit of a <laughs> a uh, a list of places to go to when you struggle too it's yeah, uh, yeah. that's wonderful um so the last bit hannah is i want to um, maybe talk about where people can find you online
1: uh, so the best place that I'm probably most active is on Instagram, and I'm just under Hannah Shand Art, um, And then my website is www.hannahshandart.com. And the funny thing is that a lot of people thought, because of my last name, they thought it was Hannah's Hand Art. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm Hannah's Hand Art, but my name is Hannah Shand Art. So <laughs> um, that's funny. I never really thought about that. that. Yeah, yeah. No, people <laughs> thought it was Hannah's hand art, and yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So I love Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, but it's kind of coming from Instagram. That's kind of like the place that I enjoy posting the most.
0: Well, this has been uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, it's been incredibly getting to know you, understanding your history, understanding your story. As we kind of go through your art and your journey, and some of the tips and the golden nugget that you (laughs) that (laughs) you nuggets that you've shared along the way, been helpful. And I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. Uh, We're on opposite sides of the world, and I just wanted to to say thank you for coming on and for helping to motivate, um, educate, and inspire the listener to uh, to to do better, create more, and and enjoy what they're doing.
1: thank you so much and yeah I think what you do is incredible honestly I think yeah having a platform to sort of share about what everyone does I think it just creates such a nice community and you just make so many friends on Instagram you know I have so many friends all around the world and it just motivates you to keep going so thank you so much for doing what you do
0: thank you thank you so much Hannah take care of yourself we'll talk soon Show notes, including links to everything Hannah and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 79. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help service the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be kind to yourself and each other, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.